Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to Home Energy Design, a podcast that teaches you how to design a beautiful home and life and make sure it's energy aligned. I'm your host, Amanda Gates, and I'm a professional interior designer, realtor, and advanced feng shui practitioner. And these combined skills have made me an energy design expert, helping you find, create, and design the home and life you've always dreamed of. Are you ready? Hell yeah. Let's do this. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Amanda Gates. And today I am going to be sitting down with author Michael Goddard talking about his new book, A New Now, your guide to mastering wisdom daily, achieving equilibrium and empowering your nobler self. I think what's really great about this book is that it really, uh, to me, as I was reading it, it really reminded me of Eckhart Tolle and his words of wisdom and and how he uh, phrases his words and, and phrases Um, just perspective in general. And I think that all of us are seeking equilibrium right now. And we're all trying to find balance amongst all the chaos that's going around us. And this really gives us a light at the end of the tunnel. It, It really helps gives us the seeds that we need to root ourselves down and feel okay about everything that's going on. And it shares with us kind of a why. Like this is why we want to achieve balance. And this is how we want to do it. And this is why it matters. It's chocked full of all kinds of really great wisdom and great information, especially if you're just starting on your spiritual path. This is an excellent read. And if you're already far along on your spiritual path, it gives you some really great tools to add to your toolbox. And as you dive into the book, just a couple of pages in, I think Michael says it all by saying, to those who seek a better now. So I think that with all the events that have been going on in the world, you've seen kind of a trend going on with the last couple of authors and guests that I've had on the show for the last couple of weeks. I've been really trying to equip you with the right tools to help put your mind straight, help put you at ease, give you balance and equilibrium, and really grow your spiritual practice to help you cultivate your chi. And this was the book that I wanted to, or author, I should say, that I wanted to really leave you with. I'm planning on taking the next couple of months off of the podcast just to give myself a breather. Um, Reading all of these books in the midst of doing all the stuff that I'm doing as far as interior design and real estate and feng shui, I'm just, my plate is a full. (laughs) So trying to mix in all of these books as well has just been a lot. So Amanda is going to take a little bit of a break and um, focus on the now, which I have not been able to do for a while. But I think that this really gives you uh, kind of the finale of sorts, the fireworks at the end of the show, uh, the big finale to really give you the tools that you need to create a better now and to really take everything that we've learned over the last 18 months or so and put it in a form that makes sense um, and utilize it in a way that makes sense and really works for you and your truth. And that's what I hope that you take away from this this incredible interview today um, and Michael's wisdom. He's not only an, an, a fantastic author who has written many other books, but he's also a fantastic spiritual teacher. So I hope that you enjoy this interview. Are you ready? Heck yeah, let's do it. Welcome, Michael, to the show. How are you? 
I'm I'm really fine. I'm happy to be talking to you. About. Yeah, we've been I've been having some tech issues. There must be something going on in the sky, but it's okay. You're here now. Uh, I'm yes. excited to talk about your new book, Michael Goddard, A New Now, Your Guide to Mastering Wisdom Daily, Achieving Equilibrium, Empowering Your Nobler Self. I actually, uh, I want to dive into this idea of equilibrium. Um, I think that uh, two things. One, I want to know what the heck is equilibrium? Because I think that when people hear that, they have a preconceived notion of what they think that is. But from a spiritual perspective, I think it's um, something quite greater. And it's something that I don't think people realize that they're craving, but they need. And uh, your book actually offers up several keys. So I, I was curious if you could tell us what the heck it is that you're talking about and maybe give us a, one of those keys of equilibrium so that we can start getting some of it in our lives. Yes. Well, Amanda, equilibrium is dynamic balance. It's a spiritual center that you can live in and learn to return to again and again. Being in a state of equilibrium is wonderful. Uh, it enriches your life and helps you uh, feel good and supports your health. Um, wisdom and equilibrium go hand in hand. That's why they're, they're part of the, the subtitle. Basically, it's Realizing more and more your higher self, your better self, which I, I go into in great depth in, in the book, A New Now. Um, when you're in equilibrium, you can more readily enjoy a positive, confident attitude becomes, because that comes naturally. What I call your lower mind isn't dominating you. Your lower mind is the part of you that likes to act out, uh, be a slave to the sensual, uh, sensual pleasures, um, and, and it's really the opposite of your virtuous self. So when you're in equilibrium, you're, you're at your spiritual center, you're calm, you're positive, you're in the present, you're balanced. There are about 10 or 12 uh, adjectives I use to describe it in the book. Which is all the good stuff in life. <laughs> and what well, you, you offer some keys. What, let, let's say uh, maybe there's a, I don't know if there's such a thing as a favorite, but what's one of the keys that you would like to share with us today? Yeah, well, the, the one I, I start with, uh, and by the way, most of the book I, I really got in, intuitively. I had no idea uh, I was going to write it until I, until I started getting the working title. And the first uh, key that came is trust your better self. And um, what you need to begin to trust your better self is what I call a quiescent mind. That's a mind um, that's not being bombarded by thoughts, by worries. It's marked by the quality of tranquility and repose. repose. Um, you, you know you're more in touch with your better self when you're feeling positive, centered, whole self-reliant, peaceful, kind, and or confident. And two of the steps I discussed for getting uh, in touch with your better self is return to your spiritual center. And I give various ways to do that in the book. And also feel and affirm that you are um, following your, your best purpose. And I uh, describe best purpose really as applying to the day uh, and the season in your lifetime. Um, and that's a very key part of the book. Um, 
a lot of people have no idea really why they're here, why they're alive. And part of the book uh, helps people really discover what their purpose is uh, this lifetime. I, I feel that everyone has at least one spiritual purpose of why they've taken their birth. And I, I have exercises and means to facilitate people discovering what that is. Well, I love on page 11, uh, under your spiritual foundation, you say, when your ego is not quiescent, your mind is on fire. To master increasingly challenging times, a spiritual foundation can be a vital resource. Contributing to and being in touch with your spiritual foundation can greatly assist you in gaining wisdom and mastering it daily. With a good spiritual foundation, you can more readily be drawn to your spiritual center and empower it each time you return to it. I think that's such a powerful way of, of saying that. I always tell people on the show that they need to have spiritual matter in their life. I call it spiritual matter. Mm -hmm. um, but the importance of being able to return to a place and, and really seeing it for a first time, you know, because each day it's going to be new. Each day it's going to be different. It's going to look different. Um, and I think that, uh, I always envision equilibrium similar to spinning a top, you know, it's when mm -hmm. it's when it stops spinning that it can get out of control and having spiritual matter is kind of the, the act of spinning because that's what keeps you balanced. Would you agree? Yes, I would. Well, we're, we're always really in the process of change and, and we are really spinning through life. Uh, and I really like, Amanda, what you said about uh, every day being a new day. And, and actually, that's the second key to achieving uh, equilibrium. And, and that section goes into great detail. It's called Prioritize Your Day. And I give really nitty-gritty um, uh, instructions or suggestions for how people can learn how to flow through each day intuitively, automatically, and knowingly. Um, the book is really a guidebook on, on how to live your best life. And a lot of people, you know, get up uh, and they just sort of fritter away their, their day. They get kind of scattered uh, uh, by being swallowed up by their phone, by being on social media, and, and they're out of touch with their true priorities. Um, every day, the first thing I do when I'm having coffee, um, after I meditate, I intuitively prioritize my day and I do the most important thing first when I'm most alert and, and fresh. Mm, I think that that right there is powerful wisdom. That's what I do. I, I have, in fact, it's another thing I say on the show all the time is that uh, I typically wake up around five, five thirty. I don't always meditate, but I always, the very first thing I do is I make a cup of coffee and the first 30 to 45 minutes of my day are spiritual matter, whether it's reading spiritual texts, listening to spiritual things, thinking about spiritual, um, things that I have done or things that I'm grateful for. I always, that is my solid foundation for the day to set me in the right way so that my top doesn't fall over. <laughs> Um, well, that is the best way to start the day because really that's who we are really is spirit and that is our essence. So if you're being grounded and, and heightened at the same time in your spirituality, that's the best way to go through the day. Yeah. So another, and you mentioned this a minute ago that they go hand in hand, wisdom and, and equilibrium. And, you know, in my opinion, uh, true wisdom is really lacking 
in our world uh, now and in, in, in our modern world, things uh, happen incredibly fast. And like you said, we're connected to our phones. We're connected to social media. We're really connected to a lot of crap that doesn't matter. And, you know, we're, we're watching fast news. We have short attention spans. We get swept up in a lot of frenetic energy that's not really serving us. Um, mm-hmm. And you offer in the book, The 11 Loving Wisdoms. And one of the uh, things that I wanted you to uh, expand on is the wisdom of acceptance. You know, I, I think that um, this is, in my opinion, one of the things that gets us uh, in society tripped up a lot is the idea of uh, accepting um, the things that go on around us. And rather than seeing things as happening to us, they're happening for us. But a lot of people don't see that. So can you expand on the wisdom of acceptance? Yeah, well, well I'm, I'm glad you touched on that, Amanda, because it's, it's really a wonderfully profound wisdom. It's one of the 11 loving wisdoms. I, my 33 wisdoms I write about and empower people to achieve are the 11 loving wisdoms, the 11 guiding wisdoms, and the 11 evolutionary wisdoms. Yes, and, and this one's from loving. This one's under your 11 yes. loving wisdoms. Yeah, exactly. And it's a very profound wisdom that the more you practice it, the better you'll be able to reap the rewards of equilibrium and, and happiness. Uh, other benefits are being in the present, peace of mind, and getting on with your life. Now, um, it, I give examples touching on three spheres of the wisdom of, of acceptance, uh, reality, people, and feelings. A lot of people are butting their heads against reality much of the time. Uh, it's, a, it's a really key power to be able to know reality and accept it. Because once you are in at least your present reality, you can move on and, and improve your situation in any way you, you choose. So when you accept reality, you finesse resistance. When you're resisting, you're, you're stuck uh, in a false reality. Let's say you were in a kind of a toxic relationship and the person leaves and you don't accept it. And you keep thinking the person's gonna be coming back, they're coming back. And then you end up, you know, basically barraging them with whatever emails, gifts, calls, stalking. So a lot of people's problems stem from the fact that they're not accepting reality. And reality is often giving you clues of, of what next. We're not the same person day by day, as you know. Um, and also your feelings are, are great signposts to king you in to, accept, to acceptance. And also for knowing, knowing what to do, uh, that's key. So any, anything else you wanna ask about that? I, I go into much greater detail, of course, in the book. Yeah, I just, it, I, it was one of my more favorite, it, it's, um... It was self-fulfilling there. (laughs) (laughs) I chose it for my own benefit. Uh, Oh, oh, good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there there is a plan for us. We may not really be privy, but part of the idea of the book is to to know what the plan is, to be able to intuit it. Uh, The thing about this book, which is different from my last book, which was a spiritual memoir, is that this is a very interactive participatory book. The, the person, while well, reading it, you're, you're interacting with it. Um, and as part of that, I, I offer a journal journey. 
uh, which might show people how to how to do that. Because so many times you can read a practical and inspiring book and maybe remember one or two things. And then a week later, you have no idea what you read. So this is a way of capturing uh, the wisdom and the way to be in equilibrium and to really church your progress through life is by keeping the uh, journal journal. Yeah, and I, another point, this is also self-serving, but one of the other things um, that I wanted to share with the audience is uh, on page 23, you talk about the wisdom of being true to yourself. And I, I think that there is a lack of authenticity in our world and, and everybody's trying to be someone that they're not, or trying to fit into a box that doesn't really fit with their true purposes and, um, or trying to feed others expectations, you know, the, the judgments that are put on them due to projections of other people. And, and you say, accepting your feelings is a key to being true to yourself as well as loving yourself. By being true, you will spare yourself much grief and regret. To be true to yourself, you need to know yourself, that is observe and know your feelings, affinities, aversions, strengths, and weaknesses, along with needs. Knowing this whole melange of aspects of you can enable you to be or lead a balanced life. I think that that is why a lot of people do not have equilibrium because they are not being true to themselves. They are trying to uh, fit themselves in something else or be something else or achieve something, or as Carolyn Mace would say, chasing a dream that doesn't belong to you. So that, that is just so true and, and, and beautifully expressed. You know, we, uh, as you grow, I mean, people may lack uh, confidence and they may not be really in touch with themselves in, in, the, in that way enlightened. And you kind of graft onto your consciousness all these false expectations that uh, you, you take on and, and people put on you often from parents, from uh, schoolmates. I mean, I, I can still remember um, how influenced I was by people, by peers I looked up to. Right. Who I may have been smarter than me or, or whatever. And it's, uh, and this, the, the whole, one of the other ideas of the book is to empower you, to know yourself and be true to yourself. It's the age old uh, classical Greek injunction to know yourself, it's uh, know thyself. But I love that you also say accepting your feelings is key to being true to yourself because feelings are energy in motion. It's our connection to God and it's letting us know what's right or uh, incorrect for us. And so many of us kind of shove those aside. We ignore them and, and you'll hear it from people. They'll say something like, oh, I had a feeling about that, or I had a gut reaction to that. And they still ignore it. And, and I think that that too is a, a big part of our society is that we have been conditioned to believe the cultural narrative is, oh, well, don't be too emotional and, and don't show too much emotion and, and, you know, shove your emotions aside when in actuality it's, it's information, it's valuable information that leads us into our truest path, but we still ignore it. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I'm, I'm so glad you, you, you mentioned that. Uh, feelings, uh, a lot of people are, are used to just stepping them aside uh, without honoring them. And you, you really need to listen to them. And it's, it kind of goes hand in hand with developing your intuition and recognizing inspiration. Um, we have really a, a vast well of knowingness within ourselves uh, that can be developed and accessed. Um, so rather, I think 
you know, people, if the easiest thing is to lose yourself, uh, Amanda, in whatever captures your attention. Um, and that's actually one of the wisdoms I do talk about, the wisdom of attention, because that, that is really where you are, is what you are attending to. And it can be easy to get lost in other things. I remember, you know, uh, being in grade school and the popular girl was Misty McCullough and I wanted to be Misty McCullough. Mm -hmm. I wanted to have hair like Misty McCullough. I was so lost in whatever my little brain was telling me that she had that I didn't have. And it was all about the, you know, just wanting to idolize who she was, her charisma, her beauty, her hair. I was so infatuated with her hair. <laughs> and I think that today, um, not only do we get lost in other people, but I think that social media has catapulted us into the haves and the have nots. And there's this um, illusion around the social media makes everything so glamorous and so beautiful and, and really makes it look like everybody has life figured out and they know what their purposes are when in actuality they don't, it's just a really great photo or it's a really great uh, blurb that they have put up. Um, and, and social media can, can really engender negative self-esteem. I mean, you may post something really important and vital in your life and something that really contributes to people and, you know, just an example, you might get seven likes and no comments. Well, you know, a friend may be sunbathing by the pool and post a picture uh, of his legs or her legs and a little bit of the water, and they'll get 190 likes and 30 comments. Well, of course, that person may be a, a career social media Facebook person. Uh, you never know. So it's really important to, to use your awareness in, you know, in interacting with social media and not, not let it run you. I, then, yeah. I agree. And I think that what you just touched on a minute ago is that, you know, we're, we're, we're really lacking in our connection to our higher selves, to uh, our nobler selves and intuition. And one of the things that I love is that you share that you started doing meditation at 19, which God loving, if we could all just, if everybody would just meditate every damn day, the world would be a better place. Um, but yes. we have all become uh, just incredibly disconnected. Um, there's a lack of understanding in our world. And there are so many profound benefits to meditation, which you have been able to tap into. Uh, you have experienced many of your past lives. Uh, I would love for you to share some of your experiences with that because um, I, I read that I think it was 88 uh, past lives that you've been able to tap into and, and just the understanding your journey and your purpose, knowing the, the harm that you have done in some of your past lives, which has really helped you in understanding in this life. And um, we cannot have understanding without contrast. You know, I think a lot of people are always like, why is this happening to me? And why is my life so hard? And it's like, you have to be able to take a step back. And if you would meditate, you would be able to, you know, tap into your higher self and get that, that greater knowledge, that wisdom, which I think you have been able to do, uh, through your own meditation practice. 
Um, tell us about your experience with meditation and, and how it's really unfolded and bloomed in your life into this miraculous thing where you've been able to uh, really take a step back and get a, a grand view of some of the, the lessons that you've been able to achieve and, and what your greater purpose is. Yeah, well, that was quite an, an amazing uh, experience. Uh, when I was initiated onto my current path, uh, I just had this great desire to know what my past four lives were because it's a pretty, um, it's an absolutely wonderful, loving, ultimate spiritual path and kind of meditation. But I, I really was curious how I got there. I mean, I first read uh, Edgar Casey when I was 12 years old. And when, he, when I first came across the concept of reincarnation, uh, I immediately accepted it. But to make a very long, fascinating story short, um, after some major, major health challenges where uh, I was literally having to intuit every spoonful of food I could eat so I wouldn't get bowel obstructions, um, <laughs> it was just uh, talk about a living hell. That, that was it. Um, but luckily, I had been working on my intuition really since my 20s. Well, on my uh, initiation anniversary, so it just occurred to me that I could know my past lives, and I started to recover them and uh, in great detail. And one, one thing I want to stress is so many of my natural uh, affinities and interests and talents are defined by who I was in my past lives. Um, the title of that spiritual memoir is In Search of Lost Lives, Desires, Sanskaras, and the Evolution of a Mind and Soul. And Sanskaras is a Sanskrit word, which basically means impressions from past lives. So initially I was just thinking, well, why, why did, you know, the age of seven, did I start designing residential homes and drawing elevations? Why was I so fascinated by that part of architecture? Why uh, at age eight did I start writing plays and directing them and producing them? Well, those directly relate to my third and fourth life back. Uh, my third life, I was um, an architect in post-American revolution Baltimore, and I only designed commercial uh, buildings. That's the only thing I could get commissions on. So I, I left that life with this burning desire to be able to design residential homes. And I actually, it's a whole wonderful story, but I, I got to do that when I was quite young. And the life before that, uh, I was an orphan. It was a very hard life. And my main higher overriding desire was to find love. And I found it in, in acting trips. I became a playwright and a well-known actor and so uh, we're doing very body body scenes. And if I kind of get off track, please interrupt me and bring me back because I can talk about this for hours. But what I learned was how much my behavior influenced what my following lives would be. Um, and to kind of jump to the heavy part, uh, I discovered um, 12 lives where my hurtful actions caused me either to come back as an animal, uh, often with a very hard life, or two particularly horrible lives where I did horrible things, I was sent to a, a state uh, of reformation. 
where I underwent an amazing torture for a seeming eternity to kind of cleanse my whole character. I mean, the, the first life that came to me when I did something really egregiously evil was when I was a ruler of a country and I started an unnecessary war uh, causing the unnecessary deaths of over 260,000 men, women, and children. So that was an amazing uh, recovery. When I found out about that, my consciousness was flooded with that, with those memories and that knowledge and uh, you know what the country was like, what my life was like. I just basically went on the floor and, and curled into a fetal ball. Mm -hmm. um, but I also discovered uh, how I had been searching for many lives, particularly um, starting uh, 12 lives back when I was a high, high government official in Tibet. Uh, that was the first time on earth I came across humans. These were um, elevated advanced monks where I realized that humans have a great capacity for higher consciousness. And that uh, kicked off my search to a great deal. Now, one point I want to make is that people take their human lives for granted, many people, and nothing is more precious. What I discovered, I, I recovered 88 uh, lives, 71 human and 17 animal, but these span thousands of lives. I mean, I went back literally thousands of lives to when I was a woman on another planet with six children uh, to kind of recover my first what I call evolutionary spiritual experience. So kind of it was after I recovered all the things I was really fascinated by, like, you know, why did I have this desire? Uh, why was Hong Kong so familiar when I uh, visited the old part of the city uh, when I was working there? Uh, it's because I, I've been there before. When I recovered everything that was so fascinating about who I am today, uh, I was basically directed by my higher consciousness to recover groups of seven lives uh, together. And these lives each had an evolutionary spiritual experience, which advanced me on my path. So literally it began thousands of years ago when I was that mother with six children. My husband was something akin to a, to a lawyer doing uh, writing contracts. So every life is so precious and we have the opportunity to advance. Um, and a lot of people don't believe in the afterlife and most, you know, the way the whole creation was set up, uh, you, you're really kept in the dark. We're kind of born with a call over us, uh, but there are, you know, teachers who come uh, fully re realized souls you can learn from. And uh, I've been lucky well, that was part of my search, Amanda. Um, like when I was the architect in Baltimore, I came across the Comte de Saint Germain. He was this mystic in Europe. He was contemporaneous with me when I was uh, in Denmark uh, living as an actor playwright, although I knew nothing about him at the time. But then he began to get discovered and I found pamphlets and uh, writings about him uh, in, in America and I actually took three trips to Philadelphia on a stagecoach to, to read everything I could. So that really uh, helped me focus in on my desire to find a teacher, a master who was highly evolved. 
I'm curious how these experiences, because I know what they've done for, I have not discovered 88. I know about three of my past lives. Um, but how that experience has helped you in your current life, because clearly this information, this wisdom, uh, probably working with your teacher, but also having the awareness of how each life is a, is a gift, just as you said, um, in not only spiritual awareness, but it allows us to grow as a, as a soul. I mean, earth is a, is a school. We, it's like high school. We're here to learn and we're here to, uh, work with our other, um, soulmates and and we have contracts when we come here to learn certain things and i'm mm-hmm. i'm curious about you know you, you write this book the the new now and and this spiritual wisdom that you have placed in this book is clearly um a crucible of sorts of uh all of these lives kind of com- combined together the wisdom combined together which has been birthed in this in this book uh like you said you've you've pretty much channeled it. And and there's a lot of divine wisdom that's in this, but how is this experience as it's unfolded for you? And, and you've been able to tap into these experiences and, and the, the good and the bad, you know, and, and being able to see, wow, these experiences where I misbehaved and, and did not uh, uphold, you know, a, a higher uh, self and, and really let the, maybe the ego uh, kind of run rampant, but how does, how is this, wisdom been able to help you uh, be able to take a step back and understand your journey and your greatest purpose now? Well, well, it's really uh, shown me what my journey has been. It's been breathtaking to uh, see the, the whole, uh, to, to capture the main points of my journey uh, as a human, really. And it's, it's made me value. I mean, I already did value the slide. I mean, I literally started my um, consciously started searching for the ultimate right after I turned 11. But I, I came in with that. And I had some friends who kind of didn't start till their 40s and they were kind of jealous of me. But it's like, you know, I, I, I was doing this for, for several lives before this life. So it's really made me even value more than ever how important and crucial it is to make best use of your life. Uh, and I love, you know, I'm in total agreement with you talking about this as a high school. And, and some people, the way they act, it's sort of like it, it, you know, <laughs> all the chalks and the, and the layabouts and the mean kids. And yep, all it is. And, and, and this is a high school. Um, and one thing that really hit home was I discovered, uh, and this is a, a little bit off the track, but I discovered uh, my cohort of seven, that's what I called them. They were like the group of soul and mind entities with, we were sort of like in the same class together between lives. And they're the people I've had the most incarnations with where we've appeared the most together on the earth. And this lifetime and two lives ago, when I was a British banker uh, and worked for a while in India and the Caribbean, I, I knew we were all together. I mean, I, I was in contact with all of them. And then when I discovered who they were, it just really blew my mind to use an old kind of cliche because when I first met them, it was sort of like, I was like crazy with who is this person? It was sort of like my mind was trying to jump into their consciousness to see, to say, hi, we're here. And to find out, but just who are they? 
So that really revealed a lot. And I think, you know, I can't talk about other people, but, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if many people have their own cohort of mind soul entities that they, they often incarnate with. You know, you can be best friends, sisters and brothers. And then after those lives, you, you learn together and you review those lives. So knowing all this, it's just, well, it's, I've been washed over with gratitude so many times. I, I actually meant I had this real desire that when I leave, um, I didn't want to spend you know, my glorious uh, existence kind of discovering what my past lives were. It's sort of like I wanted to know because I actually don't feel I'm coming back. I feel this is my last human life and I'll be able to advance you know, through the higher and higher mental regions. And eventually I'm going to uh, let go of my mind and just exist as soul. And soul is really who we actually are. Uh, we, we take on the mind to be able to exist in the mental uh, spheres and the mental physical spheres, which is what Earth is. So that's unloading a lot of information. I hope I didn't lose anybody. No, I, it, it's interesting uh, because I have followed uh, Dr. Michael Newton and also Brian Weiss and, and several others. And, and they've oh. talked about this very thing with the soul groups and, uh, you know, uh, basically coming in with contracts and, and you come in with a, a, a purpose that you're going to learn while you're in high school here. Yeah. Uh, and how your uh, soul group is going to help you achieve that. And, and they may play the antagonist. They may help as, you know, a friend or a neighbor or as your brother, sister, whatever it is. But they talk about that very thing, how you will typically go through multiple lives together, helping one another out. And like uh, they have funny scenes like, OK, in this life, you're going to be the antagonist this time and I'm going to be the timid one. And, you know, just like funny things like that. Yeah. Um, but you, you call the book, the new earth or excuse me, the new now. And it, it's very similar to this idea of the new earth, which I've heard uh, several people talk about, which is the shift in, in consciousness. And, and I've heard many mystics say, uh, that new consciousness is being birthed where we, we have an awakening happening. There's a shift in the energy. Um, and I'm curious because I have heard, you know, many people call this the new earth. Uh, and, and you're saying this is the new now is this, is this 5d? Is that, is that similar? Is that what we're talking about? What, what, what exactly is the new now? Well, it's really a, a state of consciousness and awareness. It's, uh, in the book, I, I, I say the essential question is how can I live as, as my aware self? So it's really focused on the individual to become the best you you can this lifetime. So it's all about winning and working toward your, your best life possible. Now, uh, I know there's a, a book, uh, A New Earth, and, and many people write and talk about uh, a dawning of a new consciousness, a new earth. Um, that's, I think that's, Dolores Cannon was the one. I know that Eckhart yes. Tolle has a new earth, but Dolores Cannon was the one that really right. coined uh, the concept of this new earth, that a new consciousness was being birthed, and she was the one that called it a new earth. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, I'm somewhat familiar with her, um, although it's been a long time. 
she talks a lot about reincarnation and stuff too yeah and that may be happening that may be happening i mean uh we go through all kinds of cycles so we may be right now i mean you can see how advanced and conscious so many people are on the way they're they're helping people and in plagues and illness and sacrificing so much but you can also see how completely um greedy and self-serving other people it's sort of like the war of, of the opposites going on right now so a new earth you know with younger people um you know can be being born i don't really uh, speak to that um i'm i'm more into helping people really advance their themselves on their spiritual path so i guess because i i See, I think there are, you know, really two kinds of people, if I may say, I don't want to divide, uh, make a division here, but there are people who are going to continue to come back here and improve her and help people. There, I know, are very elevated souls who incarnate just for that reason, to, to uplift people and try to help the planet as much as possible. And that's wonderful. That's like their mind and soul purpose. Uh, but then there are others who really miss being one one with the one, with the supreme being, who are marked and meant to, to go back. Uh, and I uh, feel I fall into that latter category. So there are wonderful, wonderful, powerful reformers, we could each name many of them, who want to make the earth a better place and encouraging people to uh, expand their consciousness and, and improve the earth is, is one thing. Um, and that's, that's wonderful, that's meant to be. I have a somewhat different focus. I focus more on the individual. Maybe they're meant to do wonderful work uh, helping people in successive lives. Uh, I wanna support them in doing that. But also, I think a very important uh, wisdom I write about uh, in Loving Wisdoms is the wisdom of grooming. And people might laugh when they first see that, that heading or that title. But um, I first talk about how, about physical grooming, about it's an opportunity to love yourself and also the emotional, mental grooming. But I, I write, the main purpose of the chapter was to talk about spiritual grooming, where I kind of break down your four choices in this life, how you want to proceed. And, um, and I think that would be very helpful for, for people because it really gives them an opportunity to step back and ask themselves, really, what, what do I want out of this life? Do I just sort of want to follow whatever pleasures grab me and enjoy that? Do I have a specific goal to work toward? Maybe it's uh, helping uh, underprivileged children, building schools, or, or becoming... Um, an amazing musician where you can uplift people with, with your music and your composing. And then I talk about building on that goal in this life and future lives. Because when you look at many of the musical geniuses, Amanda, they didn't come in with a blank slate. They, they had done a lot of preparation and work before they came in. Uh, and, so, and the fourth option is really uh, that you're tired of suffering and you want to live uh, an ongoing existence of unalloyed love and you want to leave and, and live in an increasingly spiritual states. So that is a, um, a section of the book, one of the loving wisdoms 
I hope people will give particular attention to because it's a great opportunity to really focus on what you want out of your life. Which is awesome. Um, We talked at the top of the show, attention spans and, and, you know, this uh, really comes down to instant gratification and and distraction. And my curiosity, uh, there's a lot of wisdom that's in this book that I think it's going to require people to read a couple of times to revisit it. Um, I do this a lot with spiritual books because, you know, what, when I do my, my spiritual matter first thing in the mornings, I find that uh, when I reread a book, perhaps it's six months later, a year later, I have become more evolved. I've learned more things and I will read something and I'll, I'll either not remember reading it or mean something completely new and uh, I'll have an aha moment. And how, how can we, uh, with your wisdom that you now have, that you've been able to tap into because you've been doing this for so long and and you're also this, uh, powerful meditator, you're, you're really tuned into your higher self and, and your greatest purpose. How can you suggest people, uh, really get, uh, the best, how can they take the most from this book? and really get clarity around how it can serve them. Because I think that uh, the average person's attention span is quite short. Uh, their minds are quite fractured and distracted. Uh, how can people really benefit from your book and this wisdom uh, to glean from it what is necessary to hopefully raise their consciousness and become uh, an enlightened being? Well, yeah, thank you so much for that. That's really a key question. And I really think it's important what you said about rereading books, uh, because every time you, a, a, a very fine book is, is always worth rereading and you're a different person. And that's why I brought in the journey journal, because you can take notes uh, with it. And uh, the journey journal, you can create yourself or you can download from my website, goddard.com which is spelled G-O-D, which is God, and DART, another D-A-R-T. And this is simply, Amanda, a, a word file of the contents. So it has all the chapters and all the sections. So it'll have the wisdom of acceptance, the wisdom of grooming, uh, the wisdom of being positive. And you can take notes uh, any way you want. You can take notes within the sections, you can write down things you want to attend to. Uh, I, I give all kinds of ideas of how to do it. So I think keeping a journal, which is uh, you can do by hand, but uh, if it's in a computer file and searchable, uh, then you can go back to it and look for things. And then you can find out where you were at two years ago, what you were working on. So that's kind of the way to uh, really empower your, your evolution and your search. And I think too, what's important about that is, you know, it's the Japanese saying, returning to a place and seeing it for the first time. And I, it's funny when I will reread a book, I will look back at my notes that I have uh, either written in the book or notes that I've kept in the book and things that were really moving or powerful to me, say two years ago, aren't now, but I will reread something and I'll be like, why didn't I see this as important? Why did I, why did I not have that same moment with this? And it's because my spiritual evolution is that much further along. So now it has meaning to me. 
So I, I think that this is definitely one of those types of book there books. There's, there's just, there's so much in it. Um, I was only able to really go through it very quickly because Missy got it to me just a couple of days ago. And as I was going through it, I was like, oh, this is going to be one of those kinds of books. (laughs) (laughs) This is going to be one of those where I'm going to have to uh, read excerpts from it. I'm going to have to push back from my desk and I'm going to have to sit and think about what I just read um, to really digest it and let it uh, marinate in my spirit, so to speak. Um, I think that there's a lot of profound wisdom uh, that is uh, very much needed in our world right now. I think a lot of people uh, have lost their equilibrium. There is a huge lack of wisdom. um, And I think that uh, it's going to be leaders and luminaries like yourself that are writing books like this that are going to help put us back on track, so to speak, so that we can uh, tap into that higher consciousness and awareness. The book is called A New Now, Your Guide to Mastering Wisdom Daily, Achieving Equilibrium, and Empowering Your Nobler Self. Michael, if people are interested in learning more about you, the other books that we talked about today, uh, where can they go to find you and find these books? Well, um, it'd be good to first go to the the, the website, goddard.com, G-O-D, another D-A-R-T, and that, that gives lots and lots of information about my, my other books, also Spiritual Revolution, which is all the principles of spirituality and bliss. Those are the, that's about the 33 um, essential virtues, spiritual virtues and strengths. So um, they could first, I think best first go to the website, but they're also uh, available on Amazon and, and really any online uh, bookseller. And if people want to work with you personally, do you offer that or you just suggest that they read your books? Um, well, well, they can always email me with, with questions okay. um, and even uh, post questions. I have a, a Facebook page, uh, More Bliss, More Bliss. They can uh, post questions there or uh, my email is on the uh, website too. They can always email me. Fantastic. Well, Michael, thank you so much for taking time out of your Saturday to talk with me today and tell us about the new now and all of these amazing spiritual, it's spiritual matter that everybody needs in their life, but this spiritual wisdom uh, to give us more of that uh, equilibrium and really connecting us to our intuition, which I think many of us need. So thank you for taking the time today. Oh, you're most welcome. It was, it was, you're a wonderful interview. I really enjoyed uh, talking with you. Thank you so much for joining me and Michael today. I hope that you enjoyed the show. And I also hope you go out and get the new now. I think that you will really enjoy it. It's chocked full of some really fantastic tips on how to just get things a little bit more in order and feel good about it. And just a quick reminder, I'm going to take the next couple of months off from the podcast just so Amanda could have a little bit of a breather, get outside in nature, get weird with my trees, and just maybe relax a little bit. So I hope all of you have a fantastic summer and we will pick back up this fall with some fantastic interviews that I've already got lined up. I cannot wait to share them with you. But until then, trust the vibe because the energy never lies.